In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, everyone who thirsts, gather your water into the sharp shopping cart, gather whatever other sundry items you need, don't forget the wine and the milk. Wheel your way up to the cashier and prepare for your wallet to take a beating. At least that's the experience for most of us these days. It was expensive before, and now it's simply outrageous. We see a level of greed, a kind of extortion, a thoroughness of corruption that unfortunately is all too common in this fallen world. God's people themselves experienced this when they had been taken up into captivity in the land of Babylon, a land equally as wicked, filled with greed and corruption of every kind. Isaiah, foreseeing this, speaks to the people. But of course, it's not Isaiah himself who's speaking. Isaiah is simply the mouthpiece of the one we will come to know as Jesus. In Isaiah's text, it is the servant who is speaking, bringing to mind those words of our Savior, I came not to be served, but to serve. And in Isaiah's text, the ultimate service rendered by this servant is that he bears the sins of the people and lays down his life for the sheep. It is this servant who is simultaneously the true king. And it is this king who invites to his feast, saying, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Here is a very different king, a very different kind of kingdom. One where the gracious gifts of God simply flow forth freely without greed, but even without money at all a gift of God's free grace and favor. Now, mentioning wine and milk might sound like a grocery list, wine for the parents, milk for the children. But what's being depicted in these things, of course, is not mere water, water being necessary for life and reminding us of baptismal waters, but Wine for the sake of joy. Wine that flows forth in his chalice to us, that our joy might be full. And milk, richness, wholesomeness, so much of what is lacking in our world, in our media and entertainment, a kind of wholesomeness and goodness poured out for us by Christ. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which will not satisfy. Or as Jesus would later put it, is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? 
but look at the sad state of the fallen world. That's all it sees. People laboring so they can afford food and clothing so that they have something to wear and energy with which they can work so that they can afford clothing and food so that they have the things necessary for work. There is nothing but this endless depressing cycle. We call it the rat race or the daily grind. Why participate in that fallen world? when in Christ is set before you a world so much greater. Thus he goes on, listen diligently because the food he gives us is not mere food for the stomach but food for the soul, food received by the ear. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. It's active language because, of course, anyone who has children knows that kids will hear but not listen. Does that ring a bell? It is an easy and passive thing to hear the word of our Heavenly Father, but it is another thing altogether to listen, to listen diligently, to incline your ear. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David which is to say, in short, that the covenant of God to David will be fulfilled in the birth of the one who is David's son and David's Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you comb through all the red letters in your New Testament, Christ speaks of his covenant in one place and one place only. The covenant of this cup his blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Indeed, God made David a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples, but how much more our Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, God has called not just a single nation that was otherwise unknown, but all the nations of the world. That's why Christ says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them the bare minimum. No, teaching them all things that I have commanded. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does it mean for you to seek the Lord? If you've fallen into kind of a once or twice a month Sunday, very concretely seek the Lord is, get back to the third commandment. Get back to that one day per week 
that our Heavenly Father calls you and says, hey, I want you to come over to my house for supper. Perhaps seeking the Lord means that you as a husband, you as a father, need to get serious once more about devotions in your household. Don't be afraid to start small and start humble. A few minutes is infinitely better than no minutes. What does it mean to seek the Lord? Well, the Lord is found wherever his word and sacraments are. There is Christ Jesus. And where Christ is, there is his spirit. And there is the revelation of our heavenly Father. Seek the words and the sacraments, and you will find him where he may be found. And call upon him while he is near. That is, pray. Pray. When we gather together corporately as a family, don't mumble through the words. Don't let your attention wander. Pray. And so too, if your prayer life Monday through Saturday has faltered, remember that pattern given to us in the scriptures and in the small catechism. Every morning when the glorious sun is rising, we pray to God. Every meal when we recount his blessings, We pray to God every night when the glorious sun sets. We pray to God. Creation in harmony with our prayers. What a beautiful reminder that is. You know, sometimes we old curmudgeonly people say there's no such thing as a free meal. Well, that depends on who you are, of course. My children seem to eat pretty freely at my table. I haven't once successfully presented them with a bill for their macaroni and cheese or chicken nuggets. There is a kind of free meal unto our children in our homes. Of course, who bears that cost? Well, that's the parents. And in this is a beautiful picture, a microcosm of the kingdom of God. The water and milk and wine poured out for us freely is purchased, not by us, his children, but by the servant, our king, his beloved son. There on the cross, he pays the full price for the blessings that we freely receive. Thus, we may seek him. We may call upon him. And of course, the wicked is to forsake his way the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Did you pick up that detail in the parable that our Lord tells of the wedding feast, that the servants then go out and draw in from the main roads not just the good, not just the worthy, but the bad. Even the poor, nay, the wicked, all are drawn in. So Christ cries out, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. That is the attitude of God toward us when we have sinned and sinned against him, and we are ashamed, and we are frustrated with ourselves, and we doubt whether we have true or genuine faith or not. God does not despise us. He has compassion on us. 
Return to the Lord that he may have compassion on you. And to our God, for he will not just stingily forgive. He will abundantly pardon. Indeed, he says that he will remember our wicked deeds no more. That's something humanly not even possible, but with God it is possible. He wipes the slate so clean, it's as if there never was any slate at all. How can we explain these things? We can't. Indeed, what does God say? My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, the most incomprehensible thing of all to us is just how good and how gracious Jesus is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.